Okay, don't sit down. Don't sit down. I thought that today, since I'm standing the whole sermon, you could stand too. Uh, you think that's funny, don't you? Now go ahead and sit down, but I want you to be with me today, all right? And if you need coffee, there's coffee out there. If you need to stand, go to the back. If you need to run in place, we all understand, all right? Start doing crunches right where you are. Just to stay with you, because today we've been talking, well, we've been studying the book of Acts, which is the historical document that teaches us about the start of this whole thing called the church, going all the way back to the very beginning. And even though it's historical, it's teaching us things about renewal and mission. Now, when we talk about renewal, we're talking about what Christ did when he went to the cross and he rose again, is he made us new. You know, we were dead, but now we're alive. We were in darkness, but now we've been brought to life. And that's why we talk about being born again. We've been born into a new kingdom. And this Holy Spirit not just makes us new, but it also continually is renewing us. And when he renews us, he leads us on mission. And when we don't go on mission, we get stuck. And when we get stuck in renewal, then we just want more renewal. Like we want church to be spectacular. Like, man, I really hope he's funny today. Or it's my favorite songs. Like we need something to just make it feel like it's new. And it starts getting stale when we don't go on mission because we weren't made just to keep the stuff. We were made, this is the way we're knit together in the new kingdom. We were made to be a river that when it flows into us, it's best when it flows out of us and then it flows back into us. That makes sense? Oh, look at that. I just made a fish. I'm so spiritual. I can't help it. And here's what's crazy is that when I'm born into the kingdom, I've been brought into a new family. And in this new family, I can't help but ooze this kingdom out of me. Wherever I go, the kingdom of God goes with me. So the kingdom of God is bringing peace, and I'm bringing peace. And I'm fighting for justice, and I'm caring for the poor, and I'm feeding the hungry. I'm expressing kindness and love. That's, these are the things of the kingdom that come out of me wherever I go. But we also have the unbelievable privilege of having opportunities at time to introduce other people to this kingdom, to participate with the Holy Spirit in bringing somebody from death to life, to help somebody understand who Jesus is, and then accepting him as their Lord and giving them new spiritual life. In fact, um, Scripture says in Revelation chapter 12, verse 11, it's one of the most powerful tools that we have against the enemy that we fight when it says that we overcome the enemy by the blood of the lamb, which is Christ's work on the cross, and through the testimony of the saints, which is my own Jesus story. So we're coming to uh, Acts chapter 8, and today we've talked a lot about renewal. Last week was a lot about grace and power and how we, like Stephen, are filled with grace and power and how to walk in that. But today we're coming to mission. Here we go. You ready? Okay, that's why I said you got to kind of stay with me. Like, you can sleep through the renewal stuff. I get it, all right? But the mission stuff, here we go. And we're studying, uh, we talked about Stephen, who was one of the seven. But there was another guy in that group of seven that was assigned to feed the widows, a guy named Philip. And chapter eight is about Philip, and he's a rock star. But let me tell you what's going on in the church. So, Stephen uh, was doing signs and miracles. The church, remember, came against them. The religious leaders of the day, they turned on him and they picked up stones and they killed him. And when they killed him, something began to happen. 
It says in verse 1, and, those arose, and there arose on that day a great persecution against the church in Jerusalem because of Stephen. And they were all scattered throughout the regions of Judah and Samaria. So this church of possibly five to 6,000 people that were learning and growing and being discipled in the city of Jerusalem for 30, maybe 60 days, now persecution is hit and they're scattered. And verse 4, it says, now those who were scattered went about preaching the word. And Philip went down to the city of Samaria and proclaimed to them the Christ. So the enemy came and brought a, just a deafening blow to the church and scattered them everywhere. Uh, but it probably wasn't the enemy's plan, but they went everywhere preaching the word, preaching about this Jesus. And that's where we find Philip in chapter 8. So who's reading for me this morning? Allie, yes, please come forward. You guys know Allie? You don't know Allie. You should know Allie. She will be up front after the service, shaking hands, giving autographs. All right. Uh, Allie is going to be reading for us in chapter 8. And if you're following along in the journal, what page is that in the Acts journal? 46, right? What page number? 50. All right, page 50. And is that right? No? Yes? Okay. All right. Sorry. This is Acts chapter 8, verse 26 through 40. Now, the, now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Go south to the road, the desert road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. So he started out, and on his way he met an Ethiopian eunuch, an important official in charge of all the treasury of the Candake, which means queen of the Ethiopians. This man had gone to Jerusalem to worship, and on his way home was sitting in his chariot reading the book of Isaiah to the prophet. The spirit told Philip, go to that chariot and stay near it. Then Philip ran up to the chariot and heard the man reading Isaiah to the prophet. Do you understand what you are reading? Philip asked. How can I, he said, unless someone explains it to me. So he invited Philip to come up and sit with him. This is the passage of scripture the eunuch was reading. He was led like a sheep to the slaughter, and as a lamb before its shearer is silent, so he did not open his mouth. In his humiliation, he was deprived of justice. Who can speak of his descendants? For his life was taken from the earth. The eunuch asked Philip, tell me, please, who is the prophet talking about, himself or someone else? Then Philip began with the, that very passage of scripture and told him the good news about Jesus. As they traveled along the road, they came to some water, and the eunuch said, Look, here is water. What can stand in the way of my being baptized? And he gave orders to stop the chariot. Then both Philip and the eunuch went down into the water, and Philip baptized him. When they came up out of the water, the Spirit of the Lord suddenly took Philip away. The eunuch did not see him again, but went on his way rejoicing. Philip, however, appeared at Azotus and traveled about preaching the gospel in all towns until he reached Caesarea. Thank you. Allie, let's pray. Lord, um, would you take this time and, um, Lord, use this time for your good, for your kingdom. Open up your word that we may see. Lord, pierce our hearts with truth and transform us. Don't let us be the same, Father. Let your word change us as we are following you. Renew us as we go on mission. In Christ's name we pray. Amen. So what a crazy story that Philip is led by the Holy Spirit to leave the town and go out to the desert road 
When he gets out there, he finds this guy riding along in this caravan, and he's this high official who happens to be reading the Bible, and Philip's jogging alongside, and he goes, hey, dude, you know what you're reading? And he goes, no, get up here. And so he gets up there. He says, explain it to me. And Philip explains all this passage from Isaiah. The guy becomes a believer. They baptize him, and everybody goes away happy. So I can close this in prayer right now. Or you want to get into the messy of it? All right, here we go. This guy was an Ethiopian eunuch. A eunuch. And let's just pause for a second and let's just try to get our heads around the fact that the Bible decided not only to identify this guy as an Ethiopian, that's the, the country he was from, but this, the Bible also identified this guy by what has happened to him sexually. Somewhere along his life, either by his own hands or more than likely the hands of his masters. Master, when he was young, he was castrated. He was sexually mutilated. And for whatever crazy idea that we can put into, why is it that this guy's now identity in the Bible is an Ethiopian eunuch? And what I want you to grasp is we live in a society now that has, we have a lot of different categories of ways that we identify ourselves. And we live in a society now where people say I'm gay or people say that I'm straight or people say I'm transgender. People say I'm LGBTQ or IA or plus. We live in a society where we love to put an identity on ourselves because of where we are sexually. And I'm not trying to say anything political here. I'm not trying to say anything culture or social or whatever. I'm trying to help you grasp the fact that God and in his infinite wisdom decided that the one person he was going to single out and go after would be somebody who's been sexually mutilated. And what I'm trying to help you grasp is when we read this story, I don't want you to miss that if God told you to go after somebody, more than likely the bullseye of who you would go after is somebody that looks a lot like you. And probably somebody that lives life the way you live it. And what the Bible is doing here is if, if this is your bullseye, this is how far away from the bullseye. Let me keep going. I don't want you to miss this. We're still going. All right. Got to keep going. The board's up there. All right. Here we go. Dang, man. Good to see you. Uh, keep going. Good. Hey, this is the worst nightmare. This is the worst nightmare of anybody on the back row that I have come back here. Okay. This is how far we are from the bullseye. That's what this story is about. God didn't just stay in the camp. This Ethiopian was from a different country. He was from a different culture. He was from a different religion. This is the first conversion of a black man we have in the Bible. This is a man who spoke a different language. This was a man, I'm out of breath. <laughs> if you don't miss it, man, this just challenges me to the core. Jesus says when you walk into the world, 
If, if you're confused about LGBTQ or whatever that is, don't be confused by this. The Lord says the mark of the church is that we love our neighbor. We love our neighbor. And if you don't know who your neighbor is, go to the story of the Good Samaritan. Once again, Jesus said to the Jews, let me describe for you your neighbor. And Jesus used the most outrageous, unrealistic, unbelievable example of somebody that could be this Jewish community's neighbor. The Samaritans, they're as far away from your circle of comfort than you can possibly imagine. And Jesus says, there's your neighbor. And what I'm saying is, God loves to go to the outliers. He loves to go outside the circle of good little church. He loves to go into the messy world, in the broken world, in the confused world, in the messy world where we're all trying to give categories and we're all trying to give a lot of boundaries and God goes in there and says, watch what my grace does. Boom! And we talked about this last week. Just because grace explodes in your life doesn't mean it fixes everything in your life. We know that, right? It begins the journey of me walking with Jesus to experience healing and continual grace, renewal, as I go on mission. I, it just blows me away. I, maybe it's only me in my study, you know, that weird little place in my mind. But it's like we cannot miss the fact that he didn't have to call this person a eunuch. You know that. The story would still be good. Well, this Ethiopian treasurer who was traveling through the desert road outside of Jerusalem. Yes, we could go for that. We'd still sleep through it. But all of a sudden he goes, then there's a eunuch. What? Wait a minute. What? Yes. This is a man that probably at a very young age, his master decided the best way this man could serve me is to be singularly focused and never have a family and never have children and never threaten my throne. Mutilate him. And it was such a mark on this man's life, it was part of his name. Yeah, I got food in my teeth. Yeah, that's life. And that's the community that God is saying to us, church, go and love your neighbor. So verse 26, how do we do this? So I'm going to take... I promise, okay, 15 minutes, can we do it? 15 minutes on how we joined Philip on the grand adventure of following our father. In verse 26, it says, Now an angel of the Lord said to Philip, Rise and go toward the south to the road that goes down from Jerusalem to Gaza. This is a desert place. And Philip went. The first thing that we are challenged with is go. Are you willing to go? It doesn't get any more complicated than that. Go. Are you willing to go? And to go, if you want to go, it means you have to leave. Like, can I get a volunteer in the back to stand up? Just somebody that just volunteer that will just stand up in the back. Yes, stand up. Yes. Oh, Keaton. Could you come and just read scripture for us? <laughs> now, Keaton, Israel, here's what I want you to do. I want you to come up here, but stay there. Okay? Whenever you're ready. Just come on up here, but stay there. Okay, sit down. All right. That illustration was more dramatic in my head. All right. It's called the law of non-contradiction. 
Aristotle talked about this. It is impossible for two things that are opposite to be true at the same time. Something can't be true and untrue at the same time. Keaton can't stay back there and come up here at the same time. It's the law of non-contradiction. And what I'm saying to you is, this is the, the hinge on which everything we're about to talk about swings. If you're like saying to God, I will not go, we're done. You can start looking at your phone. But if you're willing to say, I'll go. But let me tell you, when you go, what it's going to cost you. Philip, in chapter 8, he was scattered, remember? He left Jerusalem and he went to Samaria. And when he landed in Samaria, he was preaching the word. But crazy stuff was happening. He was casting out demons. He was healing people that were paralyzed. Like, could you imagine having that ability? And the whole city was paying attention to everything that he said. And in verse 8, it says, there was great joy in that city. I want you to imagine what's going on. Philip walked into Samaria, started healing people, telling people about Jesus. This revival broke out. Everybody is super excited. And Philip's like, man, I have found my sweet spot. Are you kidding me, man? This is a preacher's dream. Everybody wants to hear what I have to say. People are being converted. Every time I get up and talk, I got my television ministry lined up. I got my books all lined up. I'm going to publish. Everything I say is going to be written down and recorded. He ran into Simon the sorcerer. Not even a, like, Simon had nothing against Philip. And then, lo and behold, Peter and John show up. It's like the bosses showed up. Like they heard what was going on in Samaria and the apostles showed up. Hello, Philip, we are here. And like, oh, hey, hey, like this is a big deal. So Philip is sitting there with Peter and John. This is so good. Everything that they'd hoped for, this is amazing. And his ministry is influencing thousands. And God says, let's go. Okay, where are we going? Bigger city? Uh, no. We're going to the desert road. And I want you to see this. Um, it wasn't that God was just sending Philip toward someone who was outside the camp of anything he knew, somebody who was a sexual deviant than anything that he knew, someone who had suffered sexual mutilation, someone who was living as not a Jew. He called him to leave the thousands to go after the one. And I want you to hear this because in God's economy, you can't use your scales. There was a value here. And it's crazy because in the same way that God called Philip to go, he's calling us to go. And he's calling us to leave our comfort zone. We can't stay where we are. Comfort, comfort. I love, I've built my comfort zone. I got all my pillows. I got everything working for me. I know all the people in my circle. I don't get in conversations that are uncomfortable for me. I'm not around people that are different from me. I, everybody I know votes the way I vote, thinks the way I think, drinks the same coffee that I drink. We all do it the same. And the Lord says, hey, you can't stay there and go too. Go. I think he's calling us all. So a good friend of mine, he's a family man. I was talking to him the other day and I said, so what's been going on? He goes, can I tell you a secret? I said, yeah. And he goes, I... I've started taking improv classes. I'm like, what? He goes, yeah, I've always wanted to do it. And you would not believe the people I meet. He says, they all know I'm a Christian. Whew, none of them are. He said, I love it. Where's God calling you? Maybe he's calling you to join that pickleball league that your pickleball championships are awaiting you. Maybe he's asking you to volunteer for a cookie team at school which has nothing to do with cookies. 
Maybe he's asking you to make time for a coworker, or maybe just actually meet your neighbor. Our neighbors two weeks ago just put their fire pit out, pit out in the front yard and they invited all the neighbors, bring your own drink of choice and meet us at the fire pit for an hour. Radical. Are you willing? This may seem like a small step, but actually getting out of your comfort zone, your safe zone, a willingness to do that is key to what I'm about to say. So if you are remotely saying, I think maybe God's calling me out of my comfort zone and I'm willing to go, okay, Lord, let's go. What do we do when we get there? The first thing is, look what happened to Philip. And the spirit said to Philip, go, go over and join the chariot. So Philip ran to him and heard him reading Isaiah the prophet. This is gonna seem so simple, but Philip ran over to him He's jogging alongside, and this is a huge caravan because this is the treasure of the queen of Ethiopia. You know, he's not traveling alone, and he's not traveling light. He's got a bunch with him, and he's running alongside. How did he know that he was reading out of the book of Isaiah? He was close, and he listened. He went where the Ethiopian was. He didn't demand the Ethiopian to come to Samaria to hear him preach. He went to where he was, which was traveling the desert road. This is so much fun. Because, hey, let me just encourage you, Midtown, you can't save anybody, so lighten up. All right? There's not a scorecard in heaven where God's saying, if you don't save some people, you're not getting into heaven. You can't save anybody. You cannot do it. And because of that, we know the Lord's just inviting us in on what he's doing. And so the first thing we do is just listen. We just watch. We just learn. And just be willing to be there. So the Ethiopian, he was this important official in charge of all the treasuries of the queen of Ethiopia. And here's what's crazy is he had traveled it's a, almost a thousand miles round trip from the capital of Ethiopia to Jerusalem. He's got a copy of scriptures, which is very rare, which meant he was very wealthy and he was very connected, that he'd have one of those in his carts. But here's the crazy thing. This man was not a Jew. He, he was racially different. He was culturally different. He was sexually different. And he was also um, probably religiously different than Jewish, this Jewish community. In fact, when he got to Jerusalem, in Deuteronomy chapter 21, it clearly states that eunuchs are not allowed to come into the temple and worship with the assembly of God. So he had traveled all the way to Jerusalem only to be rejected outside the temple to where he couldn't come in and worship. And here's a man who had been rejected to even worship God with the Jews, reading a scripture of the Old Testament and on his way back home. And God's coming after him. See, what's great for us to realize is that when we go and listen, what we're going to discover is that more often than not, God's there working long before we even show up. And that's what was happening with this guy. He was spiritually curious before Philip even opened his mouth. And in John chapter 6, God, or Jesus even says, he says, no one can come to me unless the Father who sent me draws them. Or if you want a literal translation of draws them, drags them that the Father is dragging us into his presence, and I will raise them up on the last day. So everything about salvation is the work of the Father. And if everything is about the work of the Father, then I have no responsibility other than to be present with what God is doing. 
So I have a friend of mine who, uh, he's a pastor and he goes to this gym. He's a fanatic, like he deadlifts like a billion pounds, you know. And uh, he said, it's so much fun being at the gym because nobody knows I'm a pastor, which is our secret, is to hide our identity. And, uh, and he says, I'm the mayor of Crunch Fitness, which is the name of the place he goes to. And I says, what does that mean? He says, I just get to love on people with no agenda. And he says, it's amazing the doors that the Lord opens up where I see him working. So the first thing is, one, are you willing to go? The second, when you get there, are you willing just to listen and be present? To be present with people and to see what the Lord is doing. Not so hard so far. The third thing is, look what Philip says. Do you understand what you're reading? And he said, how can I unless someone guides me? And he invites Philip to come up and sit with him. So the first thing is, are you willing to go? Got to get out of your safe zone. Second thing is, are you willing to listen and just be present with the people that God's calling you into the midst of? And the third is, are you willing to be curious about them? <laughs> you know, you know what's crazy is I have, they're out there, I'm sure. I've yet in my life experience to ever meet somebody that didn't get excited when I asked them, so what's your story? I don't care. We, we could be on a, he could be a bush pilot flying me across Sudan and we're on the headset set and I go, so what's your story? And he lights up. Or I could be on, the, on a plane with somebody next to me. What's your story? Or I could be waiting in line. Or I could be having coffee with somebody that we just had to share a table together because the coffee shop was too full. Because anytime I say, what is your story? I'm asking them about the thing that they love most in their life. Them. We love us some us. And we love our story. Here's what's amazing to us is we're absolutely fascinated when other people are curious about our story because we think we're the only ones as interested in me as me. And when we show a little bit of interest and we show a willingness to listen, you know what a gift that is? A gift to be present with somebody and say, hey, we're just not in the same space. I want to know you. Questions are an amazing tool by which to give people the opportunity to share with you themselves, and that's a gift. Like if you say to somebody in Nashville, how you doing? That, that doesn't mean how you're doing. Let me translate. That means hi. How you doing? Hi. Yeah, good, good, good. Like we could be dying, you know, and dragging a broken leg. How you doing? Good, good. But if you change it just a little bit and you go, hey, man, how you really doing today? It stops because now I realize you're asking me to give you a gift. And the gift that you want is to give you a little bit more of myself. Now, somebody can say no, but more often than not, we're excited when another person says, I want to know a little bit more about you. I want to see you. Will you let me see you? You know, I love this question. Tell me the things you love. And you might go, that's a cheesy question. Could you imagine one man looking at another man in a coffee shop going, hey, Bert, tell me what you love. Well, try this. Hey, Bert, if you won the lottery today, how would that change your life? All right. You're, I see it coming your way, man. All right. And you start to hear the things that they dream about, the things they long for, the sense of adventure that they want to bring into their life. Those kind of questions it, it honors the humanity of the people that we're with. 
And when we honor their humanity, we also then start finding doorways into the spiritual journey of their lives where we can ask them simple questions like, hey, man, when you're hurting big time, where do you turn? Who do you go to? Have you ever prayed in your life? And what does that mean to you? Did you grow up in church? Like, do you have a faith story? Or do you, is this something that's completely strange and different to you? Would you consider yourself spiritual? And what does that mean to you? Or what do you think happens after we die? As I begin to honor the people that I'm with, and I show up and I'm present with them, and now I'm curious about them, I'm also curious about their spiritual story. And then finally, at verse 35, then Philip opened his mouth and he began, beginning with this scripture, he told them the good news about Jesus. He started right where the guy was in Isaiah and said, let me explain to you what this passage of scripture is and let me tell you about Jesus. So it's, I'm willing to go. Lord, lead me. I'm willing to be present. I'm listening. I'm willing to be curious. I'm going to ask questions. And finally, when the door is open and the time is right, I will share with you about this man named Jesus. Now, for many of you, you're like, if I say, could you share your faith right now and explain to somebody how to come to faith in Christ, it might be a very difficult thing for you. You may not be able to do it. And I want to challenge you. The reason you probably don't know how to share your faith is because there's no way in hell you're ever going to share your faith. You've already decided, I ain't going. And if I ain't going, I don't need anything that you're going to need when you get there. And I'm saying if today, if today you're like, no, 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 I'm willing to go. I'm willing to be present. I'm going to start learning how to be curious. Then you better get ready. Because God's going to put you in a situation where you're going to get an opportunity to share with somebody your Jesus story. Now, I, I'm not going to take today to do that. I mean, you can go to Romans 6.23, you know, the one verse, evan- one verse evangelism. For, God, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. You could use that one verse to explain to somebody what sin is and the curse that's removed for Christ. You can Google it. You can get all kinds of tools. All I'm trying to say to you is if you're willing and you're going to be present and you're going to be curious, then you better get ready. Now, some of you may feel like, man, I don't know. That's hard. Well, I just want to encourage you. Try something simple. Do you know that uh, the stats would tell us that seven out of ten people, if they were invited to church, they would go. And I got to tell you, something good is happening here. Like, I would love to have been in our small groups this week when they talked about what a eunuch was. I think that would have been a lot of fun. Yeah, some of y'all, yeah, good conversation. All right, you got stuck there, didn't you? All right, I get it. But something beautiful is happening. I think the Lord is changing people's lives and growing us up emotionally, growing us up relationally, growing us spiritually. And I really believe deep in my heart that if somebody walked through those doors and said, I want to be a part of this community and I want to grow, it would change their lives. It would change their lives. And if you believe that too, simply inviting another person to come into this community, not for the sake of Midtown, who cares about Midtown, but for the sake of the work of the Lord and another person's life. Do you know how hard it is to come into this building? If you don't know anybody, I'm telling you, it is hard. And if you're a eunuch, you know how hard it is to come into this building? No, I'm serious. If you're somebody who is way outside the safe zone of you guys, do you know how hard it is to come into this room and feel like that this is a safe place for you to be seen, to be heard, for somebody to be curious about and help you grow spiritually? It's tough. 
You know what makes it easier? Is when we take the hand of somebody that we care about and say, come on, go with me. Go with me. And I'll come with you. And we'll do this together. I really believe that that changes people's lives. And I want to encourage you. One of the simplest ways that you can do that. You know, in two weeks, we're having the fall festival. Um, it's the Halloween weekend, and we're going to have fun out in the parking lot. The service is going to be outside. There's going to be all kinds of stuff for the kids. There's going to be lots of sugar and pizza and all kinds of... It is the easiest, gentlest way to kind of stick your toe into our community and find out how weird we really are, all right? And I want to encourage you, and let me challenge you. Is there somebody in your life that you would say, man, the Holy Spirit is putting that person on my heart? In the same way that the Holy Spirit led Philip to the desert road, outside the camp, to the unusual and the person that was far away from what a Christian looks like. The Lord's putting somebody on my heart. And you know what? I'm, I'm going to dare. I'm going to risk to bring them with me on that fall festival and pray that God would use our community to begin to bring life, healing, Holy Spirit work of renewal into them. Okay. Here we go, Midtown. You ready? Most scientists said if you, uh, if you don't make a commitment on anything I've said, in seven minutes you'll forget most of what I said. I think that's the number. So hang in there. Uh, by the end of the next song we're about to sing, if I made you feel uncomfortable, you'll forget all about it, and you'll just go back to your normal life. But if right now you'll make a commitment, that person in your head, you're like, okay, I'm, this, is, this is the week. I got two weeks. Uh, it may just mess up your life and take you down a desert road to where you experience the remarkable work of God in your life. Do you know in Philemon chapter 1, because there's only one chapter, um, in, verse, in verse 4 it says, always be ready to share your faith. <clears throat> it's, God doesn't need you to save the world. The rest of that verse is, so you know everything that you have in Christ Jesus. Jesus says, when we go, that renewal, is that mission isn't much about us as it is about how he's going to use us. So come on. Welcome aboard. Lord, we pray that you would send your Holy Spirit right now and pierce us, speak to us. Lord, that there are people not in this room who, uh, Lord, we know that you're working across this city in the most unusual places, with the most unlikely people. Lord, you love going outside the camp of what is normal and acceptable into very broken and dark places. I pray for my friends right now, Lord, whether it be a coworker or a longtime friend they've not seen in a long time, a neighbor, somebody at school, Father, or maybe just that person they always see in the coffee shop on Wednesday morning. God, would you begin to lead us, Holy Spirit, and let us be a part of your story in the lives of other people. It's in Christ's name we pray. Amen.